0: Todd Ruger has covered five Supreme Court confirmation processes for CQ Roll Call. That includes Merrick Garland's ill-fated nomination uh, back in 2016, as well as the most recent Amy Coney Barrett's uh, confirmation to the Supreme Court uh, in 2020. And now we have another one. Uh, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been nominated to the Supreme Court by Joe Biden. She would be the first black woman to be uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court. And we're going to talk about what is in store for her and for the rest of us in the coming weeks, uh, especially because next week, March 21st, she starts uh, her hearings uh, in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Todd, welcome to Political Theater. Thanks, Jason.
1: Good to be here as always.
0: So... I think again, getting to you, you've seen a full range of of Supreme Court nominations in the last few years. Uh, you know, the Garland one uh, it w- is is sort of an interesting historic anomaly. He was nominated to replace Antonin Scalia by President Barack Obama. He never got a hearing. Uh, Mitch McConnell had decided that uh, that Senate Republicans were not going to give him a hearing, and then uh, after Donald Trump was elected in 2016, you know that. Neil Gorsuch was nominated for that seat that Garland did not get. uh, And then you covered that and you covered Brett Kavanaugh's uh, hearings, which were particularly uh, contentious. And then Amy Coney Barrett, which uh, her uh, nomination and confirmation happened right before the 2020 election. So we've got like a full range, you know, of, of, of Democrats and Republicans there, at least the presidents. And uh, what, let's talk about like how, this time, I mean, we, we thought like, well, there's a potential that this won't be per- perhaps as dramatic because this, essentially it won't change the nature of the court along the way, uh, on the lines of the way Garland would have replaced, you know, changed the dynamics by replacing Scalia or, or Barrett changed the dynamics because she replaced uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, well, the, if, you, if you think about Garland, uh, Merrick Garland's nomination really started uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate as a whole down a very contentious path and it sort of all of the arguments flowed from there because one of the reasons that the Republicans right away said uh, Mitch McConnell uh, who was the Senate majority leader at that time right away said we're not going to give Merrick Garland a hearing because it's too close to the presidential election.
0: This was in February of 2016.
1: Right February of 2016 and so that uh, that would have changed the dynamic on the court. Um, it, it would have been a, a Democratic appointee replacing a Republican appointee in Scalia who had died. So when uh, Trump got elected and you move forward the the next seat, Gorsuch, um, there was contention because they felt uh, Democrats felt like that was a stolen seat and that and and so there was a, a lot of opposition and there was a lot of opposition generally to to Donald Trump and how he was, you know, how he ran things and what he said and his, his, you know, some of the the campaign rhetoric that he had used that was racially tinged. And, and so the, from the left, there was a lot of opposition as we know. Um, And then, and then with Brett Kavanaugh, Um, there, there was the allegation of, uh, sexual assault decades ago from high school that he vigorously denied. Uh, there, there was from, from the Republican point of view, way too much digging into his personal life from high school, his yearbook, you know, what specific terms people wrote in the yearbook beach week, how much he liked to drink beer back then. And, uh, and not enough focus on what kind of, um, you know, judge he had been for a long time as an adult. Uh, and then when we got to to Barrett, that vacancy happened in an election year. It was right before the election. And so there was a, a large sense of hypocrisy um, uh, uh, from the Democrats on Republicans who had blocked Garland. And on top of that, her nomination really would have changed the uh, really changed the ideological balance of the court from a 5-4 court where, you know, on an issue such as abortion, there would have been some middle ground for, you know, that that, uh, Justice Kennedy had sometimes played uh, that middle role, you know, swing vote, to now with Barrett on the court, it's a solid 6-3 conservative majority. And we've seen the court since she's joined, sort of take that rightward tack. Um, So the court has been conservative for a long time, and now it's even more conservative than it's been. And so that sets up uh, what we have now with Katanji Brown Jackson and, Dem- and Joe Biden, a Democrat, uh, replacing uh, the, re- the seat held by Justice Stephen Breyer, uh, who was a Democratic appointee, so you have a Democratic president replacing a Democratic appointee. It's not going to change the six-three balance. Um, there, are, like on cases like abortion, it's not going to uh, affect basically how the, the Republicans in the majority uh, ultimately come down. They don't need any any Democrats to to join them to do what they want on, on abortion, for example. So um, that's one of the reasons why you'd felt, you felt like this was going to be uh, a, a less contentious um, confirmation process. On top of that, there's just the the sort of criticism that had already rolled out with people who had talked about um, Joe Biden nominating, uh, promising to nominate a black woman for this spot, the first ever, and um, and so there's you know, there's some there's some landmines out there for criticizing uh, a black woman and, and a lot of like the racial overtones of this meant that maybe there would just be a cooler uh, heads would prevail, particularly ahead of uh, the midterm elections in 2020. Republicans wouldn't want a, a gigantic fight that could energize the black community, which um, overwhelmingly votes for Democrats. Um, and and then with Ketanji Brown Jackson herself, you have a, a nominee that is not. Uh, you know, she, the Republicans, Senate Republicans are even saying she's, uh, very qualified for the spot. So, um, you don't have a really contentious, uh, nominee. Uh, she just has a solid background. She went to Harvard, Harvard law, uh, was a clerk for Stephen Breyer, uh, been a judge for eight years now has been on appeals court for one year. So she just has the kind of background that, um, makes it look like an uncontentious, uh, confirmation process.
0: And and we had seen like, you know, little, maybe, you know, to use a boxing metaphor, like little jabs here and there. Uh, Chuck Grassley, who's the uh, ranking Republican on the Judiciary Committee and Mitch McConnell uh, had said like, well, we want to see more From her record, particularly uh, she's she was on the U.S. Sentencing Commission, and then you know like during her confirmation process for the uh, Circuit Court here in D.C. uh, last year, uh, she had faced some questions about uh, in her role as a federal public defender defending some of the uh, Guantanamo Bay detainees. So there were these little these little sort of jabs, but they didn't seem to be like really, uh, enthusiastic, they weren't haymakers, right. They weren't go, they weren't really going after her in a way that seemed anything more than pro forma. And you actually like had, had noticed this in your reporting that like usually, uh, you know, like the, Lindsey Graham, for instance, who was the chairman of the uh, Judiciary Committee during the Barrett uh, confirmation process, uh, is usually uh, not shy about talking uh, to reporters, to anybody, uh, you know, to tour groups in the Capitol, uh, to elevator operators in the basement. Uh, you know, he, he is a gregarious person uh, by nature. And he has... He has said very little uh, uh, since like tweeting that, uh, you know, right after the announcement by Biden that he was going to nominate Judge Jackson that, uh, you know, this, well, the far left won or something like that. He was maybe a little uh, pissy because uh, a a federal judge in South Carolina Uh whom he had recommended did not get it. But that it it seemed to be kind of cruising along. She was visiting with Republican senators and Democrats and everybody's like, okay, you know, this this seems all good. And then. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you you mentioned something very interesting, uh, uh, which is that you know she had been before the, the the judiciary committee a year earlier for her appeals court confirmation. So there there isn't a lot of surprises around her. They've already seen her. She was also previously um, confirmed uh, to the U.S. Sentencing Commission and to the District Court. So this would be her fourth time in front of the Judiciary Committee. Um, they had gone through her record as a judge uh, f- before. Um, certainly not as closely as as they would for for this you know lifetime on the highest court in the in the country position um and yeah they there you know when you talk about uh, these kind of fights there's usually not only just like the, the the confirmation hearing but a whole rhetorical fight outside of the Judiciary committee um you know you saw that in the in the previous three fights, where Democrats would paint a picture of of the nominee as somebody who would get rid of abortion, uh, that somebody who would take away your health care, they banged that drum even before the hearing started. Um, and this time, you had a relatively minor, uh, you know, like we need to see more more documents from the sentencing commission because, uh, but but Grassley, for example, the top member of the the Judiciary Committee on the Republican side. Wasn't asking for a delay or anything. Right. There's only three people who, three Republicans, uh, 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 who got on the floor and said anything about this. So there was a a, a lack of messaging, a lack of uh, a message about how, why they might vote against her. Um, it, all but three Republicans voted against her for the appeals court. So there, there really was, you know, there, they were all sort of pointing to this. Uh, this hearing that's coming up on Monday—it's a week-long hearing starting Monday. They're pointing pointing to that as um, as well. We're just going to wait and see and, and hear more about her judicial philosophy and and sort of probe her, probe her hearing her previous rulings a little bit more, uh, you know, before we make up our mind. Um, and not, not
0: exactly incendiary rhetoric to rile up the base at this correct point, right? Right.
1: right. And it felt like a um, it felt like a a, a, a overall strategy. from the Republican side, they had been, you know, when, when Ketanji Brown Jackson was first nominated, they had said, uh, we want this to be a respectful process, but we have to vigorously vet, you know, these are the kind of terms they were using. um, Meaning that they they were sort of signaling, like, we are not going to, 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 to go, you know, full scale war on this nomination. And most people agreed they don't have to, the Democrats have the votes uh, as it is to, to, put her on the bench without any republican votes and um and, and like why are we going to make a big deal out of this uh, particularly you know when it's not going to change the outcome of of supreme court decisions on on the on the issues we care about like abortion
0: and they had also been advised by republican like sort of landed gentry if you will that she like this is a good this is a win take the win republicans michael Luddick, who is a former federal judge uh, previously, you know, for years he was one of those guys that always showed up on short list for the Supreme Court, particularly in uh, 2005 uh, when when we had the vacancies with uh, Sandra Day O'Connor and William Rehnquist. Uh, Luddig said, "She's a good judge. She's uh, got a solid record. She's a great person." And why would Republicans want to vote against the first Black woman to the Supreme Court? Take the win, Republicans. There's nothing at risk. Paul Ryan, uh, who is is has a, is a distant relation by, by marriage to uh, uh, to Judge Jackson. Um, you know, he, he's a former Speaker of the House, from a Republican Speaker of the House, former Vice Presidential nominee for the Republican Party, said like she's awesome. We don't agree on a lot, but she's awesome. She should be confirmed. <laughs> and yeah, so, you yeah, it just had taken the sails, the wind out of the sails for a lot of like, you know, the the kind of rhetoric, you know, that we might have expected. Right. Well, and
1: there, you know, there are very few um, attack lines for Republicans to have. You know, one of them is that she's a former federal public defender. She, uh, you know, defended Guantanamo Bay detainees, not only in that role, but then took on an extra um, when she went into private practice at some point and the the White House and Democrats have. Found found ways to to sort of combat or pre but those arguments through these groups. Like you have a couple judges that that said uh, that she's great. You had uh, law enforcement groups back her. You have um, you know some national security people backing her in terms of Guantanamo Bay. You have some Republican a fish former Repub- Republican officials backing her, and um, and so all of that seemed to be pretty meek. Uh, and then. Um, what we had, what you referred to earlier is, (laughs) uh, yes, the then that you referred to minutes ago is that, uh, Senator Josh Hawley, which is one of the, the bigger bomb throwers on that committee. He's a presidential hopeful, uh, maybe he, um, he's very conservative and he has, uh, he was already going to be one of the more vigorous questioners, uh, about Brown, but he put out on a Twitter thread last night, some, some allegations, uh, that he had gone through. Uh, Judge Jackson's record and found out that she was soft on uh, child sex offenders and child pornography viewers or had said some things in the past. Um, and I haven't had a chance to go through and look at all these things that he posted and, and put them into context. But now you have the introduction of the first sort of um, hot cultural issue that out there for, for this, uh, what had seemed to be on a cruise control Um, confirmation here
0: well and and also i mean like let's like back up a little bit right uh to i mean josh Hawley, uh senator from missouri um former supreme court clerk himself uh you know that he uh, was one of the people challenging the election on january 6th you know there's this famous photo of him like raising his fist uh to to show his support for the protesters uh he objected to the uh um to to electors not from Missouri uh, where he might have some actual familiarity with the process but from other states um, and then after the Capitol was ransacked and people tried to kill the vice president and uh, and and the, the process was halted he continued uh, with that line even though his colleagues begged him to ba- to back down uh, and then and then as you said I mean this is someone who this is her her fourth uh, Senate confirmation process. And Josh Hawley found, he found the smoking gun. He found the smoking opinions, uh, you know, where nobody else found it, not the white house, not the U S sentencing commission, not anybody else who who looks at this. So it, it's going to be interesting to see who follows that lead because, uh, with, you know, the, his objection to electors on January 6th and then January 7th, uh, because the, the process was delayed a little bit. Um, you know, not that many people did join him. Not that many people uh, were willing to to come to go with him uh, along this journey. And it will be interesting to see who does follow him in in this process, in this line of attack. Because, as you said, it's not just a uh, a, a sort of a big, you know, kind of cultural flashpoint. There are, I mean, this is it's so far out of the out of the boundaries of what anybody was expecting, like this had not come up, uh, you know, uh, before, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see who wants to go out on that limb with Josh Hawley.
1: Right. And, and also, it'll be interesting, you know, this is all just part of the, the, uh, the chaos in the first in the, the days leading up to the, the hearing where uh, each side's trying to get their message out ahead of time and sort of set the stage or get the headline. And what, what would be really interesting is, will this open the floodgate to other Republicans who are like, well, if, if, uh, if Josh Hawley is going to, to go down this line of questioning well, maybe I'll, then I'll open up that line that I was kind of holding in reserve that, that uh, and what what is the overall tone going to be? Or is, is Josh Hawley, if he goes down this, going to be the only Republican that does that? You know, you had uh, John Cornyn, who, who is, you know, one of the, the top Republicans on that committee from Texas. He uh, he's been stressing a respectful process. And, and, you know, by the time it gets to Hawley, uh, you, you're going to be going down the, the, the bench pretty far. Um, and so you, you know the, it's just kind of one of those things where will it affect the tone up the bench or is it just going to be him whenever a questioning gets to him later in the day?
0: and so before we go, just laying out the the schedule uh, Monday uh, is is when when the confirmation hearing itself starts. I I love it too. Like even we're, we're, you know, more than 200 years into the Republic and, and, uh, and the confirmation of Supreme court judges, and we still haven't arrived on whether uh, it's a week long hearing or a series of hearings, one per day. (laughs) There's, there's disagreement even in, in the, in the, like how to treat it with the, like the associated press and and other uh, news outlets. Let's just call it a hearing. So the first day of the hearing on Monday will be, uh, she'll be introduced and then she'll make her own statements, correct?
1: Right. And and that's when uh, senators get a chance to make their own statements as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because they want to be able to start early on day two with the rounds of questioning. Uh, there are 22 members of the committee. Every committee member gets 30 minutes. Uh, you, you add that up. It's a very long day. And then the Wednesday is another follow up day where everybody gets another round. Um, I think it's going to be 20 minutes. Uh, most senators are, are thinking it's going to stop there that they're going to get about 50 minutes total. And then day four is usually for the outside uh, witnesses, which it, which would be the um, you know the American Bar Association in terms of you know looking at her background and, and qualifications and then anybody else that the senators from both sides want to invite to, to make a comment.
0: And one thing I think will be also a little different too is that we are not in the lockdown state uh of the pandemic that we saw with Barrett, where there you know the, the number of people were severely limited. Uh, there was a there was simply a pool to cover. Uh, n- members of the public were not allowed. They had it in a you know he- huge hearing room in the Senate uh, office building side. Uh, it won't it won't be like that. There will be probably more people covering this than than the Barrett stuff because the Barrett you know hearing took place uh, during you know like a little. Uh, pre vaccine uh, time in, in COVID, and it certainly won't be like Kavanaugh either, where it was a complete free for all. Um, I think there are still photos of you being like smushed, you know, up next to different people, but uh, <laughs> uh, behind the questioners, and you know, people running around the hallway confronting senators about like how they were going to vote and so forth, and just people—it's just a kind of a madhouse. We'll probably yeah. see something in between, you know, that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the photo is of me um, getting yelled past by the <laughs> protesters that, you know, they would, the pro, the people in the, the public, you know, there's no, there's no sign yet. I don't think about whether the public's going to be there. And the public was, was disruptive during Kavanaugh and that sort of circus atmosphere doesn't feel like it's going to happen this time. And so I guess we'll, but, but these things always have surprises, right? right? So, so we'll find out next week.
0: Well, Todd, thanks again. And uh, again, this makes uh, uh, five. It's a one for the thumb uh, for you uh, in in uh, more sports metaphor sort of uh, talk. Uh, this will be your fifth time covering, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're there to provide the context for that uh, for for our listeners and for our readers at uh, CQ Roll Call. Thanks much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to Political Theater, and we hope you enjoyed this one. You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Google, NPR One, you name it, we're there. Please subscribe and please rate us. Thanks.